up and thank the Lord for his great You know, uh, clapping in the Bible is a is I guess you could say a way to say amen, but it's a, it's a way to agree. Sometimes it's actually the signing of a covenant that you're agreeing and making a covenant uh, when you clap. So when we clap together like that, we're saying amen together. We're agreeing with what we've just sung. Uh, sometimes it's a, a point of spiritual warfare in the scripture. It's like uh, they clap their hands and they they sent the devil away as they were clapping their hands. You know, anytime you express your faith, you're, you're defeating the enemy. Whether you read scripture out loud, whether you pray out loud, whether you sing out loud, praise out loud, clap your hands in, in faith out loud. There's something that's spiritually powerful uh, as, as a result of that. So anyway, that was for free. Go ahead and be seated. Thanks, John. I'm going to invite you to grab a Bible if you brought one. Uh, for those of you online this morning, welcome this morning. I realized I hadn't even uh, welcomed you yet, but uh, we welcome all of you joining online this morning. Happy New Year uh, to all of you as well. If you have a Bible at home, we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 3 and 4. It'll be about a two-hour sermon. <clears throat> Uh, if you're uh, here in the uh, sanctuary, uh, you have Bible, uh, Acts chapter 3. We'll read a few verses in chapter 3, and then we'll go to chapter 4. So I came to work this morning. I, I hope that's okay. I've got something in me, and I'm going to try to share it with us. And uh, so I want to talk, talk about fulfilling our mission together uh, in 2021, this this last year, I, I think it's been a difficult year for all of us. If you're, you know, a doctor, teacher, dental hygienist, I mean, did you see all the garb they had to wear? I don't know if anyone went to the dentist, but parents homeschooling your kids, it's been tough. If you're a business owner, there's been uh, challenges uh, there as well. Uh, the constant social isolation. Uh, you know, if you're retired, it's been pretty frustrating not be able to see your kids or grandkids uh, near as much. And, you know, as I start this message, I just want to say how proud I am of us. <clears throat> and, and when I say that, I really mean it. I've, I've talked with a lot of people throughout this year, um, and, and I've just seen how they have navigated by faith this circumstance that we've been in. I'm very proud of the tenacity and, and the courage and uh, grit might be a good word. Perseverance that many of us have had. Of course, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, we still have a pretty high spike in COVID-related uh, sickness here in Klamath County. Uh, reason for us to be concerned, uh, no question. And I'm sure you're uh, fed up with it, but you're trying to be safe and healthy, wearing a mask or whatever you're doing. Um, Kids get to go back to school, not this week, but the following week. Some of the kids are beginning to filter back into the school system. I'm happy for them. Variety of different ways that that's being worked out in the city and in the county. So parents, could we all say hallelujah together? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have, we have a children's ministry second service. We'll try to get it up and running first service as, as soon as we can now that we're seeing 
uh, how, how things go uh, as kids move back to school. But I want to look at a story this morning in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. It actually covers two chapters. And any time something covers two chapters in the Bible, it's worth taking a look at because uh, the Bible is kind of shorthand for a lot of things that happened in history as the Holy Spirit was at work in the lives of the nation of Israel and then in the church in the New Testament. So everything is always condensed. And when you see two chapters that cover one story, it, it, it's, it's significant. And uh, to me, these two chapters illustrate the church in action. If you're wondering who the church should be in the day we live, read Acts 3 and 4. And hopefully you'll be challenged uh, like, like I have been. I'm hoping to grab onto a couple of things for us as we go forward into uh, 2021. Uh, if you're familiar with the story, it's the story of a, a man who's in his mid-40s, probably. He's been lame from birth, never walked. Okay, he's probably had help or assistance, leaning on other people. He's never stood by himself without help, so he's lame. Uh, he's been carried by friends uh, to the entrance of the temple, one of the temple gates called the Ta- uh, Gate Beautiful. And Peter and John are, there, are on their way there uh, to pray. They're on their way to an hour of prayer. Uh, uh, the third hour of prayer, it says in verse 1 of Acts chapter 3. That was about 3 in the afternoon. Okay, the, 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 the Hebrew nation had a, a pattern of prayer early morning, midday, and then later afternoon. It was part of their tradition. Remember Daniel in the book of Daniel when he was captive in Babylon prayed three times a day. So that's uh, their tradition that even the early church kept uh, throughout their history, uh, this uh, routine, this habit uh, of prayer. So John and and Peter are on their way to the temple in the third hour of prayer. And as they get close to uh, the temple gate, the gate beautiful, they see this man that they've, to be honest, probably seen several times. We find out later in chapter four, he's been there for years. And so this is like the guy, you know, down at, the, at Walmart with the sign out, begging for uh, income. This is a way of life for him. He can't walk. He can't work. So he's had some friends carry him there. Probably they're taking a, a little bit of the money for themselves because they, they get him to the temple gate, and that's a good lucrative place for him to panhandle because he needs to make a living, but also, too, others are probably making a little bit of living off him. That's the way society works, sadly. But that's the truth. And um, while Peter and John are on their way and they see the man there, the Holy Spirit stirs something inside of Peter. Verse 6 of chapter 3, Peter looks at the man and says, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And Michael... He literally reaches out his hand and picks him up. Thank you for doing that. Now, you got to be pretty committed that what you're doing is the Lord. (laughs) If you're going to look at a man laying there begging for money, and, and you look him in the eye and say, silver and gold I don't have. I know what you're looking for, but I don't have that. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, 
rise up and walk, and he takes him by the hand. You know how we pray, you know, oh, Lord, if it's your will, we just pray that you'd heal this person. Because that gives us an out. If it's not God's will, then it wasn't our lack of faith. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But anyway, so he kind of really risks himself, reaches out and lifts in, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now, I, verse 7, look at it. It says, instantly, his ankles and feet were strengthened. I, I love that. First of all, it's written by Luke, who's the author of Acts. He was a doctor. And so miraculous healing was very fascinating to him. He had worked with a lot of people for physical healing in their lives. But the miraculous healing of the Holy Spirit always catches his attention. And so he says in verse 7, instantly the man's ankles and feet were, were strengthened. And he stands up. Now, in fact, he, it goes on to say he began walking and leaping and praising God. And it caused quite a commotion. I mean, Twitter blew up. Instagram. Someone took a video, and, and people are talking. Uh, you know that guy? He's been laying there all his life. I've seen him for years. That guy that lays at the gate beautiful has been miraculously healed. you got to get up here. you got to see it. So people from Jerusalem start running up to the temple uh, to see what's going on. Now, it's been probably several minutes. I mean, he's been celebrating and praising God. And the man, remember, he's never walked in his life. He's absolutely exhausted. He doesn't have a lot of muscular endurance yet in his life. He will, because he'll start walking all the time. But at this point, he was miraculously healed, but he hasn't developed a lot of endurance. So he's exhausted, and he's literally hanging on to Peter uh, here and, and John here in... Acts 3, verse 11 through 16, where I'm going to read. It said, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This is an outer court area where hundreds of people could gather there in the temple. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, it was an opportunity, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Do you remember the story of the crucifixion where they yelled out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate tried to let him go. Uh, who should I release for you? And they yelled, Barabbas, Barabbas. So he's calling them to account for that sin. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. You think he's making a point here? You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Uh, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. 
Now, you know, this had to be a pretty uh, exciting moment uh, in the life of the early church. This is the first recorded miracle. There's probably been some other miracles, miraculous healings, since uh, Jesus was crucified, rose from the dead, and remember 50 days later, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and of course, the, the church was empowered at that point uh, for ministry to the world. But this is the first recorded miracle, probably a few months after that event, probably less than a year, first recorded miracle in the book of Acts after that event. So this is a pretty, pretty significant moment. Um, what's interesting, the Jewish leaders are upset by it which seems strange. You'd think they'd be happy because this man was healed, but they're very angry because this is not good publicity for them, okay? They crucified Jesus. Uh, they led the nation in disowning Jesus, and now his disciples are continuing to preach about Jesus in his name, and this man has been miraculously healed in his name. So, so this is not good publicity, the Jewish leaders come to the temple courts. Uh, they arrest Peter and John uh, while they're speaking, which had to be a little abrupt and somewhat embarrassing for them. Uh, they held them in prison overnight. Now we're in chapter 4. Okay, that morning, uh, they interrogated Peter and John. By what name and by what power have you done this miracle? Uh, that's verse 8. Uh, and I'll continue reading verse 8 down through verse 13. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice they're distinguishing. This is not the old Peter. This is not the Peter who denied the Lord three times on the night before he was crucified. This is the new Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up in front of them, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now, that section uh, is, a, is a verse from a prophecy in uh, Psalms 118, verse 22. I think we all know that uh, the Jewish leaders, though they were cloaked in the idea of religion, and helping the people of Israel. The Jewish leaders were very wicked people. Kind of reminds me of the day we live, regard to government, some of the things that are going on. They were a very wicked people. And in the Old Testament, of course, the prophets prophesied against them because they were so hypocritical and they were so wicked within their own hearts. And... Um, of course, they said, the Messiah will come, but you will reject him. And this is one of the prophecies from uh, Psalms 118, verse 22. And the stone you builders rejected. How many believe Jesus is building his church? God is building a temple. The Bible gives us a metaphor, a picture 
of a dwelling place of God, a temple, but it's not made with human hands. The, the cornerstone is the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one that brings Old Testament and New Testament together. He is the foundation, the cornerstone. The stone you builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I gotta read verse 13 again. It's one of my favorite verses in all the book of Acts. I, I, this is my prayer for, for, for us. Uh, this is my prayer for you as a man or, or for you as a woman. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note, these men have been with Jesus. This is not the end of the story. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders have no idea what to do at this point. Okay, the fact that a noteworthy miracle has happened, undeniable, can't dispute it. Uh, in verse 14, in chapter 4, it says the lame man is standing there. So, I mean, how, how do you deny his healing? I've seen him for years laying there at the temple gate. So what they decided to do is threaten the disciples further. They warned them not to speak any longer in the name of Jesus. Jump down to verse 19. Uh, Peter, God love him. He says, whether it seems right to you obey, to obey God or you, you decide. Uh, but we can't stop telling uh, what we've seen or heard. And uh, so they warned him and threatened him some more. Eventually they were released. Uh, they gathered together with other believers uh, after all this experience. Verse 29 through 31, they, they say a great prayer. I encourage you to read it at some point, sometime. But at verse 29, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. How many believe that is a great picture of what the church should look like? Isn't it? I know it makes you nervous. It makes me nervous. The whole idea of, you know, silver or gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a little threatening to me. I, I've, I've, I've prayed for people and I've seen them miraculously healed a couple times almost instantly. But this is not my everyday experience. And so that's intimidating for me. And probably, probably for, for, for most of us, here but, but one of the things it shows us did you see it over and over again in these two chapters when they were filled with the Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit in other words I, I really believe for, for us to fulfill our mission in 2021 we've got to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 3.6 Peter filled with the Holy Spirit <laughs> 
says to the lame man, silver or gold, have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In Acts chapter four, verse eight, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke boldly. And then here in verse 31 of Acts chapter four, after they prayed, the place where they gathered was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Really believe if we want to fulfill the mission that God has for you individually, uh, the mission God has for us corporately as a church together, the mission of the church throughout the world, we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to make it on our own. We need to be filled and be being filled. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says to the church there, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be messing around with all this worldly stuff. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and the word actually there in the Greek language, it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's in the continuous tense. It's like it needs to happen, it needs to happen every day and probably more than once during the day. That's why they prayed three times a day refocus their lives on Jesus. How many of you have a mind that can wander and a soul that can wander away from God in 30 minutes? I mean, you get out of church, you're on fire, and man, before you get to lunch, you're cussing and flipping people off and telling people, get out of line in the restaurant. And I know you. I've seen you in action. Can we talk just briefly about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I, th I think it's a pretty confusing thing. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Are you? Have you ever surrendered to the person of the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about praying the sinner's prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I, 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 I want to repent. I want to give my life to you. Come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. Great prayer. Doesn't mean you're filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to be empty of yourself. You have to let the Holy Spirit bend you and break you. And I would suggest there are things in my soul and there are things in your soul that you fight against the Holy Spirit because you don't want to be bent and you don't want to be broken yet in that area of your life. And because of that, you resist the person of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that you don't have moments of filling. But I am saying that to learn to be being filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, that's learning a life of surrender and a life of bending to his will and surrendering to his purpose. I don't know about you, that happens for me every day of my life. I mean, I can be on fire one day, that doesn't mean I'm on fire the next. How many of you, every morning when you get up, you have your devotion time in the word, there are things that will challenge you and challenge your faith. So maybe you have been filled with the Holy Spirit at some point, great church service, amazing worship time, pastor who preached the paint off the wall. But are you filled today? And will you be filled tomorrow? And will you be filled throughout the day? Because it's, it's really an ongoing thing. 
I, I really believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, people will say, I need more of the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to say, you've heard me say it before, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. Either you have him or you don't. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, there's a good chance you didn't do that on your own. The Holy Spirit was helping you. Whether you became filled at that point or not, I don't know. You'll have to decide that. But the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person. So you have him or you don't. And you've yielded him or you haven't because he is a person. And so if you are a Christian, someone who confesses with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you've committed your life to him, there, there's a good chance you have been because you wouldn't do that without his help. But you don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants more of you. And that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit wants more of you. He wants you to learn to bend, learn to surrender, learn to yield, learn to obey. He, he wants more of you. And that, of course, is what our relationship with Jesus is all about. I, I really believe a key to that is prayer. And that's the first thing I'll say here this morning about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I really believe the key to that on an ongoing basis is, is prayer. And uh, most of you know, uh, if you've watched online in the last month or so, uh, we have uh, partnered with fellow believers around the world, literally, literally uh, at least some 70 countries within our own denomination for 21 days of prayer and fasting as we start the new year. And um, I don't want you to get confused with the fasting part. Fasting for me has to do with me laying aside something that allows me to focus on Jesus. If I lay aside a meal, if I lay aside a day of not eating, what I'm doing is I'm allowing my stomach to remind me how much I need God. <laughs> And how much I want his presence in my life. So I'm willing to sacrifice food for, for me. It's a pretty short season. Might be a meal. It might be a day. I think once, three days. But nevertheless, pretty short season. Uh, but social media. How many of you are literally addicted to your phone? You pick it up 20 times a day to look to see what's going on. Have you got an email? Or you get a notification. Oh, this certain news feed gives you the latest on what's going on. You pick it up. I don't know about you. I look at my phone probably a hundred times a day. And so another way to fast is just to put that aside and to just, every time you want to grab it, remind yourself, no, the reason for this is to seek the Lord. I am seeking God in my heart. I want to hear his voice. Okay, so prayer and fasting, the fasting part, however you do it, I don't care has to do with intensifying the prayer, okay? What we're doing is we're setting apart 21 days for, for prayer and fasting. And I wanna, if you haven't heard about it this morning, I wanna invite you to join us. And here's how you can do it. You can go online to our church website. And if you drop down right below the main page, you'll see a little video there by yours truly that introduces in two minutes the idea of prayer and fasting. And then right underneath that video, there will be a place where you can click for daily devotionals. And for the next 21 days, 
when you go to the page on daily devotionals, if you'd like to, you can click on this PDF, okay, this uh, particular handout that has scriptures for each morning that you can read and then some ideas about how you can pray. Now, when you do this, you're partnering with literally millions of Christians around the world praying right now. So this is a, a great way for you to partner with something the Holy Spirit is doing in our church denomination. Now, I realize we're a highly independent people. We don't like to be told what to do, and I understand that. So can I bend you a little bit? <laughs> can I nudge you a little bit? A lot of you don't want to get on your computer and go to a website and follow along. But each day, someone from our church staff or someone from our church will do a little two-minute devotional video, a little brief encouragement or teaching from the section of Scripture that we're reading that morning. And there's the first five of them are up right now. I think I do the first one. I'm kind of inviting you. Uh, Chad does the second one. My wife does day three, which is today. And uh, the verses are uh, Lamentations 3, 22. His mercies are new every morning. Gosh, what, what a rich, what a rich verse. I spent an hour on that this morning, just trying to receive what it promised uh, in, into my soul. But... Um, I really believe it's a great way for us to partner and pray together uh, for the next 21 days. The theme, the theme of 21 days of prayer and fasting is called All Things New. I think God delights in doing new things in our life. Uh, he did something new on this day we just read about in Acts chapter 3 or 4. Um, he stirred Peter in a new way. Peter walked by this guy dozens of times. Jesus walked by him when he went to the temple, okay? But, but the Holy Spirit wanted to do something new. So on that day, Peter received what I would call is a gift of miracles or a gift of faith from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Peter stepped out in faith and the Holy Spirit moved through him. How many think God wants to do some new things within your soul and God wants to do some new things through your life to touch the world around you more than we realize. And I think time in prayer, and I'm not just talking about now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep that kind of prayer. I'm talking about intimacy, your heart with God for a few moments, just authentic honesty, just embracing God, taking those scriptures and saying, God, I can't believe that your mercy is new for me every morning. And just allow that to wash over you. And then just spend some time. God, I love you. Thank you so much for your mercy for me every day, every moment. God, I need your mercy in my life. It's taking the time with the person of the Holy Spirit to, to embrace him and allow him to breathe new things into you, start new things within your soul, and then work new things through your life. How many believe that God wants to touch the world around us? Do you know that 2,000 people got saved as a result of this day? Acts chapter 4, verse 4. 2,000 more people were added to the church as a result of this new thing, this initiation of the Holy Spirit through, through, through Peter's life. It, 
it was powerful. So I'm inviting you to partner with us in uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Money back guarantee. Also, too, we're going to provide a couple of times for prayer here at the church. Uh, Tuesdays, starting uh, January 12th, which is a week from this Tuesday, at noon, during the lunch hour, there will be people gathered to pray. I want to invite you to come. Uh, Thursday mornings at 7. I've been praying with a group of people since last summer when we were out in the amphitheater. I mentioned it one morning. We got started praying together. I can't live without it. I just love those times to pray. Some of you aren't real confident uh, in regard to prayer. I promise if you'll, if you'll break into one of those times, the, the way I learned to pray a number of years ago is simply praying with other men in the church. I went to morning prayer, and I connected with some men, and I listened to them pray. <laughs> and I listened to sermons, of course. I spent my own time with the Lord, but I developed uh, an ability to pray. And so... Uh, those are a, a couple of ways. Now, each morning, we're going to talk about new ways that God wants to work in our life. First week of this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going to talk about God doing new things in me, in my heart, in my mind. I'll tell you, our minds. What a battlefield. Pastor Chad does a great job on day two talking about our minds. Uh, mercies. His mercies are new every morning. Day three. Day four. Philip is sharing, and you'll get to do the devotional with him. Day five, Dave Chabner is sharing. Different people in our church will share. So, I really believe prayer changes things, but most importantly, prayer changes me. Helps me surrender to the person of the Holy Spirit. It stirs up my faith. It increases my vision. It gives me boldness. I'll tell you, this, is, this message is living in me. It's fresh in me because the Holy Spirit breathed it into my soul. And, and it's changing the way I think about the church, and it's changing the way I think about uh, things, things to come here in the life of our church. So I'm inviting you to partner with us and join together. I believe prayer is a key to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the second thing I'm going to talk about, and then we'll be finished here, is I want to encourage you not only to pray... With, I want to encourage you to share your faith with someone every day. Now, I'm not trying to frighten you. I really believe every Christian is a full-time missionary. Let me say it again. I really believe every Christian is a full-time missionary. And I would love for you to think about yourself. If you were called to another country to be a missionary, how would you go about it? How, how would you develop a strategy? And how would you begin to share your faith in that culture? Okay, God has planted you in a culture. And if you ask him, he will help you in regard to how to share your faith every day, daily. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't share my faith with people who aren't Christians every day. Occasionally I get an opportunity to, and it makes my month. I mean, I love sharing my faith with people. But share your faith every day, at least with another believer. Share your faith. Because Christians need encouragement. We just do. You know, social isolation can become a habit that defeats the church. L let me say it again. Social, isol 
This is not about a virus. There's a spirit at work to defeat the church and the gospel. And when you can allow bars to be open and Home Depot to be open and the church not to be open, something's wrong in society. Now, I haven't taken on a... I don't want to fight the government. That's not my calling. You read, the, read through the gospel, read the Bible. They didn't fight with government. They fought to live their faith, to love one another in spite of what the government did. And that's the calling of the church. And that is my commitment. I care about your safety, but I'll tell you, social isolation can defeat the church because we need the encouragement from one another. And, and we need to share our faith with other people. How will they get saved if they don't hear? How will they hear if we don't tell? That's why it says in Romans 10, 16, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. The world needs Jesus. And so we have a message to tell. And what can stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life is simply by sharing your faith every day, at least with another Christian. I thought of three Christians driving in. I needed to text today and just encourage them. I haven't seen them or talked to them in quite a while. And that's a way for me to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life so that I can share with others. Don't be ashamed of sharing with Christians. We need it. <laughs> we, we need encouragement. Please, someone say amen. I'm going to start thinking you're dead out there. <laughs> we do. We, we need encouragement. My, where am I out here? Oh, my wife received a text um, on New Year's Day from a friend of hers. Some of you remember uh, Kate and Mark Postuma, who served as assistant pastors in our church years ago. They passed her up in Cheney, Washington. And Kate sent her a text. Uh, Psalms 65, verse 11. Sonia, if we want to throw it up on the screen there. Uh, this is what her text said. This scripture. You, referring to God, you crown the year with your goodness. Even the hard paths will overflow with abundance. Uh, she sent another translation that said, even the hard paths will drip with abundance. I thought that was a great picture. And then she closed it out with, I love you and I'm grateful for you in my life. And of course, her and my wife and Kate, they talk at least once a month over the phone, just encouraging one another. I really appreciated the effort she made to, to reach out because we all need encouragement. We all have a tendency you know, to self-depreciate ourselves a little bit. And so encouragement stirs us up, stirs up our faith. And so I just want to encourage you, share your faith every day with someone. <laughs> Start with Christians. You might feel safer. <sighs> Jesus said in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You know that Jesus called you to himself, not because you were looking for him, but he was looking for you, and he chose you, and he's appointed you to bear fruit in your life. So I want to encourage you, pray every day. 
Let's seek the Lord together to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to follow him. And then let's share our faith every day to someone. Think of a believer who could uh, enjoy a word of encouragement. And then, of course, pray for opportunities uh, to share your, your, your faith with people. The world needs Jesus. I, I know that you feel intimidated to share your faith. I feel intimidated to share my faith. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do it just like Peter. There's boldness that comes when I am filled. Uh, that's why that's so important. You know what it's like in America today? I really believe this is true. We are starting to feel like it is illegal to share our faith in America. If you work for someone, you might lose your job. If you work in a public setting, a county job, state, federal, um, teacher, it is presented to you that it is illegal to share your faith. Is that demonic? Absolutely. Do you know that's the way the early church felt? I mean, we read these stories, powerful miracles, things that happened. We think they're awesome. It was easier for them. No, it wasn't. Peter could have been killed for what he said. He, he stood up and said, if you think it's a right to obey you rather than God, you decide. But for me, I'm going to tell people, but what I've seen and heard, sorry, might, might lose my job. I'm not going to do it disrespectfully. I'm not going to be brash. I'm not going to be arrogant. But I'm going to stand up for my faith. The Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And I think we are cowering under a spirit of fear. I, I think throughout history, other pandemics, the church rose to the occasion. They stood in faith. They continued to gather and worship. They continued to meet together to pray because they knew that God had the answer for the pandemic. And they continued to function as the church. And yet we have been told to hide and to cower and to be fearful. I'm not sure that's the Lord. I'm not sure that's the Lord. I'm not trying to be arrogant or defiant. I know that some of you here this morning have lost loved ones, fathers, sisters, brothers, because of the pandemic. I know that. I have prayed with you for them. So I'm not trying to start a, a revolution here. That's not my point. I, what I'm saying is let's discern together are we battling a spirit, not just a pandemic? Is there a spirit of fear that the enemy is using to silence the church? I'm just, I'm just concerned about that. And so as I'm thinking forward, leading us as a church into 2021, I want to be careful. You'll see me coming to church, wearing my mask, trying to be careful, socially isolated. We have people that have been exposed to COVID uh, in our church. We've had, you know, a few people that have had the COVID virus. So we have to be careful, but we can't live under a spirit of fear. So I just want to encourage you to, let's, let's pray 
as we go forward into 2020, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's ask the Lord for boldness, could we? Boldness to share our faith, to allow the Holy Spirit to do new things in us this year, a new thing in me, and hopefully a new thing through me so we can touch the world around us. And with that, I'll invite the worship team to come. And uh, we'll close. So I think there's a worship team coming. Why don't we stand together? They have a hard job figuring out when I'm going to be done preaching. It's not easy. Could I start closing us by asking, have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you been baptized? Have you put on a wedding ring, so to speak, with Jesus publicly and been baptized in water? I want to encourage you to follow the Lord in obedience in the waters of baptism. Then let me ask you this. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? I know you want to be. How about tomorrow morning? (laughs) I know you want to be. How are you going to do that? You do it on your own? Are you going to pray? Uh, What kind of time are you going to have with the Lord? We allow the Holy Spirit to bend you maybe to be a part of 21 days of prayer and fasting? I don't know. Just wondering. At what point will you reach out and share your faith, encourage a brother or a sister, maybe someone you haven't seen for a while? It's been a lot of months. We've been eight months without gathering. Uh, Normally on Christmas Eve, I think we have about 1,000. Sometimes as many as 1,200 people here on Christmas Eve. This last Christmas Eve, we had about uh, 120. It's quite a bit different. I realize it's because of the pandemic. But how many know, as people, we choose the path of least resistance? (laughs) And we have a tendency, if it's comfortable watching it online, to just all of a sudden that we become spectators of Christianity rather than participants in Christianity. I'm just concerned that we will become spectators and not be participants. So I've said a lot today. Chew the meat, spit out the bones. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. You know, it's not easy to stand up here naked every Sunday and... and, uh, present my heart to the Lord, number one, and to all of you. But I genuinely try to do it every week. My prayer for you is that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, Jesus, here this morning, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters who've joined together here in the sanctuary. Lord, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters, and I mean this sincerely, all of you who have joined online. Lord, I I thank you for that. Lord, for each person rededicating their life to you this morning, we say yes and amen. And Lord, for each person wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, come fill us. We need you. We want to be yielded to you. Lord, before this day's over, certainly before this week's over, We're going to have an opportunity to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. There's going to be moments where we have to deal with our thought life, uh, anger, lust, greed, whatever it is, the flesh. 
And Lord, what a great moment. Lord, I'm not always victorious, but what a great moment to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to bow down, to bend to the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you teach us to be being filled. Lord, we want to be filled. We want to walk with you. Fill us with the Holy Spirit today. Fill us with the Holy Spirit tomorrow, the next day. Help us yield. Bend our rights, Lord, our pride, our time. Help us bow our knee to Jesus as Lord of our heart, Lord of our mind, Lord of our life, Jesus. We help, ask you to help us with that. Fill us. And Lord, start new things in us. Break through in us, Lord, where we have been bottled up inside and Jesus hasn't been living through us. Lord, break through to new, new things in our life and do new things through our life, Lord, to people we love, people around us, people in our community, uh, our nation and throughout the world, Lord, work through our lives. We thank you for that this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Well, say amen together. If you'd like to stay for this song, you can. If you need to leave, you're welcome to 